Genesis 29, we're going to continue with Jacob as we're looking at the patriarchs and how God, our extraordinary God, uses ordinary people. This was right after he schemed and deceived his brother and father, receiving the birthright, and then was afraid because his brother's going to kill him, so he takes off, right? He goes into hiding. He connects at a well with a pretty young lady, gets to know her dad, and here we are, Genesis 29. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years. I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Jacob to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. And you guys are right on cue with that. Just right on cue. I am sure that there is a, you know, a Hallmark movie out there. <laughs> then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. Nobody did Oz on that one, right? So Laban brought together all the people of the place, gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her and Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as, a serv- as an attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, What is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, It is not in our custom to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week. Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. Wow. So Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years, and when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive but Rachel remained childless. Now, if you're new to Portview, let me just say, you know, you might be thinking, you know, a man with two wives and sisters, I didn't know they were that kind of a church. We are not that kind of a church, if you're wondering. There are portions of Scripture that we call prescriptive, like, thou shalt not murder. God is prescribing something to us. Don't kill each other. earnestly seek the gifts, right? That's a prescription to us. Then we also have different passages that are descriptive. That's this. This is not telling us to go find a second wife, right? This is describing for us circumstances in Jacob's life. And let's ask the Lord to guide us today in learning about Leah, this woman behind the man. Lord, we guide, we, we know you guide us, Lord God. I thank you for the way that you've been speaking to us already. Thank you for your love and your challenge to us to turn from sin and turn towards your right way. 
So, Lord, continue to guide us today to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you know I spent a lot of years in, in Ukraine. Uh, when we first moved overseas, we did not have the technology we have today, so I brought a lot of books, right? If there's two things that missionaries slash pastors love, we love books, and the secondary thing that's hard to get that we love so much is peanut butter, right? Because you get outside of North America, they don't know who Jif is, they don't know who Skippy is, Right? They just don't exist. And they're heavy, so they're really expensive to ship overseas. And you don't think you're going to really miss peanut butter until you don't have access to peanut butter. And so the two things that probably our family coveted the most, well, mac and cheese, but we, we may do, right? But was peanut butter and books. Books. And uh, so I brought a lot of books over there. I love books. I still love books to this day. It was about 10 years ago that a, a mentor in my life... Uh, had gone through a two-week study at Duke University on speed reading. And so he decided he was going to kind of download to me. We were in the same uh, courseware together, how to speed read. And he taught me a ton, you know, about, you know, first reading the table of contents, then read the first page of each chapter, then read the end of the, the book, the, the final chapter, and then, and then you read the introduction, and then you start reading in groups of words, not single words. And so... There's a training component to the whole thing, and, uh, and your mind actually makes files then, and when information comes in, it actually drops it in really quick. So I learned how to read books really fast, but there's a flaw within my reading system, and that is I'll get about two chapters in, and I'm bored. Anybody else? I have a lot of books on my, on my shelf right now that I can tell you exactly what the author was trying to say, but I only read two chapters of the book, Right? It's got to be a really good book for me to read the whole thing. It's, it's just, it's got to be a good book, right? It's got to just grab me. And, and that's the case for a lot of it. And, you know, there's a saying, and it's a saying because it's true, but don't judge a book by its cover, right? And regrettably, this is the story of Leah. This is the story right in the middle of this, this great experience of Jacob meeting with God, of the wonderful love story that Jacob has with Rachel that, yes, Hallmark movies are out there, but Leah was not loved. Leah looked a little different. He says that uh, she may have had some sort of a lazy eye or an eye issue. She had weak eyes. So she was not loved the same. Rachel had a different form than Leah. And because of this, Jacob loved her and Leah was unloved. Think about Leah's experience where she is moving into this environment of marriage, kind of being pawned off on a guy who really doesn't want her, really doesn't care for her for her, right? And in fact, at the end of our reading said that she was unloved. So she was deeded into this situation that honestly, she didn't want to be a part of. There was no affection. There was no sense of, of acceptance for who she was. The wonderful concept we talk about a lot here, unconditional love. But today, I hope and I have experienced in the family of God and in the family of Portview Church that God unconditionally loves us. 
That God cares for us in the midst of, of who we are, exactly for who we are. John 13 says there's going to be a way in which everybody sees that we're a little bit different in the world. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We so love one another in such a significant way that the world looks, us, looks at us and says there's something unique. That regardless of differences or conflict or issues, love comes out of these people in a very powerful way. So today I just want to ask, well... Three questions, seven responses. We'll get through it and see today what God is challenging us around this area of love and specifically Jacob and Leah. I want to talk first of all about how do you perceive other people? I, I, have, I love people watching. I think I'm a professional. If they had a job where you got paid for watching people, I'm in line, right? I love people watching. And and. International airports are the best because you get to sit back and wonder, where are you going? Right? The crossroads of the world. Where are you going? Why are you going there? What are you doing? Like, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. And um, getting to see and experience people from all different backgrounds. And yet, regardless of how we see a person, not to perceive them just on, their, on the way we observe them. Let's look at James and his challenge. Suppose a man comes into your meeting. He's talking about a church meeting. Suppose somebody comes into your meeting wearing a ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges and have evil thoughts? If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted of the law. Well, James is saying, even in the church, we do it, right? We classify people by obser observing them, and, and maybe one may be wealthy, one may be poor. We often classify people by different things. One is just simply natural beauty. First Peter 3, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfailing beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in the sight of God. That it's, it's okay to dress up for church. I'm just going to say that before we go into this. It's okay to brush your teeth. Thank you very much for putting on deodorant. Taking a shower today, we all appreciate it. It's all in one room. But we don't define ourselves by how we look, but by who we are. And that's hard when we are in a culture of appearances. It's hard when we are a culture of stuff, right? And whether or not, I, I got up this morning and I walked into the closet and I thought, I preached last Sunday, what shirt did I wear last Sunday? I mean, like, I should probably wear a different shirt. I should, like, start a spreadsheet, Christine. What? Because I got, like, two good shirts, right? Like, but we, we're not supposed to classify ourselves by our, our beauty or just like certain people based upon how they appear. 
Also, social, financial strata, that's what James was talking about. Now, all of us may aspire to step into a higher tax bracket. Well, maybe not put that way, right? But we would all aspire to maybe have a little more than we have today, pick up the side job, look for the increase, right? A little bit more than what inflation is happening today. But we can't define our relationships or, for that matter, who we are by what we got. God doesn't. We shouldn't. What about talents? I wish I could sing. I really, I can sing, but you guys wouldn't like it, right? Some of you are like me. I have a hard time clapping. How many of you have a hard time clapping? Right? I have a hard time clapping. I'm so thankful for when my wife actually starts because I'm like, okay, just try, try to follow. And I have no idea what people mean when they say follow the drummer because he's doing a lot of things. Right? Like, and, and some of you, we, we recognize, some of us have different and diverse talents, right? We're uniquely created by God. And let me tell you, each of you are uniquely created with powerful talents. If you consider yourself to be part of Portview Church, the talents you have, we need. I don't know what they are. You may not know what they are. But the talents you have, we need. And we're not going to covet each other's or want whatever. Well, maybe a little bit. I want to sing. But, but at the end of the day, we are unique, each of us, and beautiful in that. What about nationality? What about nationality? It's, it's so interesting. We pastored a church in a gateway city, big, big city, six and a half million people. And we attracted people from all over the world, as many 40 different nations in the room. If I had somebody from the Midwest walk in the door for the first time, within two or three minutes, he will find a person from Wisconsin. Like, I have no idea, and they're not wearing cheese heads, so it's not obvious, right? But there's something, and, and, and you would find these groups that just kind of naturally connect because of an affinity towards people with shared experience. All right, so so we how hey, what about what about the Packers? You know, and suddenly you've never met somebody, but a conversation starts up, and yeah, it's horrible. They don't have a decent fish fry in this country, right? And and the conversation can just go right. And we saw the same thing: Central Africans, Indians, Pakistani, Arabs, like they would just naturally congregate together. It, was that racism? I think it's it was affinity. It was a, it was a comfort thing, right? It was a comfort thing. It's okay to be uncomfortable. I think we are challenged to be uncomfortable. To, to cross the barriers of things like nationality and understand another person. Come into relationship with them. What about physical capabilities? Communication abilities? Whether somebody comes in with a disability into your life and how do you connect with them? Maybe it's a little bit more challenging because it's, it's difficult. I had a friend that I grew up with and uh, he, he went into full-time ministry, passed away about two years ago. Um, and, and because of his disability, it was so hard to talk to him. Like I would sit down and we'd talk for about three or four minutes and I think I got like one or two sentences. Because of his disability. And I just, I'm sorry, I didn't get that, Brad. Can you say that again? Brad, I didn't get that. Can you say that again? And I felt bad. But he didn't feel bad. Right? 
Because I was there. I was in friendship with him. And it's important to, to step across even the, the physical things that separate us. What about believers or non-believers? I think it's really, really good and appropriate for you, to ha- you and I to have friends that don't believe the same way we do. Really. Have good friends that don't believe the same that we do. Why? Because where else are we going to be light? Where else are we going to be salt? But people in our lives. Right? But finally, and I think this one is probably the worst of all of them, that, that's, that struggles that we have to connect with people. How do they add to my life? In other words, I'm going to be in relationship with you if I feel like I can get something from it from you. If I feel good or there's a job or if there's something I can gain from you. And I think to a certain extent, we all develop relationships out of a sense of, do they add to my life? But I challenge you as we continue to look at the word of God and reflect upon Leah's life of being rejected just for who she was. It's not how God acts with us. That's not why Christ came. Because whether you think we're beautiful or talented or special or God's gift to somebody, we're not. I'm challenging to Jesus. I'm the one that's hard to be a friend with to Jesus, right? And yet he loves us. The second question, how does God view people? This is good and this is challenging. The Lord looks at a person's heart. First Samuel 16, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider the appearance of this man who would be future king, of his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks beyond what we see and what we perceive and what we might want to get out of a relationship. John 7 says it a little bit stronger. Stop judging by mere appearances and make right judgment. Make a good judgment of people, not just on how they look or outward appearances. So the Lord looks at the person's heart, and we also see that we were created beautiful. Genesis 2.27. So God created man. This is man and women, the, 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 the both. Man created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him Male and female, he created them. Did you hear that? In his own image. So you may question it at times. I may question it at times. There's parts of our lives we wish we could change. You are made in the beautiful image of God. And though the struggles and the sins of this world are tainting these bodies... I have a pain in my heel right now that's been there for a year and a half. I mean, I used to get a pain, and it was gone in like two hours, right? How many of you know? Right? Sin changes these bodies, right? My skin is much more stretchy, right, than, than it was just a couple years ago. So, so realize our lives are constantly physically changing. But we are created. Who you are is beautiful. Nobody told Leah that. How does God view people? The Lord looks at a person's heart. We are created beautiful, but also that we are worthy of sacrifice. 
We are worthy of his life, of his time, of his pain. He loves you so much. Romans 5, you see at just the right time. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, maybe someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we still rejected him, we didn't want anything to do with him, we made no desire to move towards him. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Nothing to gain Nothing to acquire from the relationship. He died for us just because he loves us. Because he looks at the heart. Because we were made beautiful. The final question, how can we view people the way that God does? And I think that's a real struggle. In all of our flesh and all of our challenges and relationships, how can we do it God's way? John 15 the big command, right? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. We could spend the rest of the time just there. We're not going to. We're going to move on. How did God love everybody? Sacrifice, sacrifice. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life, right? That powerful word. Supernatural love. What is Jesus' business? It's sacrificing for others. You may ask yourself, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It means sacrificing for others. What does it mean to be a father? It means sacrificing for your kids. What does it mean to be a mother? It means sacrificing for your family. What does it mean to be a friend? It means sacrificing for others. Love is about sacrifice. Next, authenticity. Jesus was completely himself. People always know a fake. Just love people. Just care for people who, where they are. Romans twelve nine puts it this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Finally, as we reflect, how can we view people the way God does, use our time. Now, in other cultures, with other communities in which I've been able to speak in the past, I, I would not say this. But if there's one thing that we value probably more than anything else, and if there's one thing that we're willing to give away to just the wrong places, it's time. Right? We, we genuinely, as a Western culture, worship at the foot of the clock. Right? How does my time, how can I get more time? I will get paid less if I get more vacation. Right? If I can, if, if I lose five minutes on 43 because of that construction, it is destroying my night. Right? That, that might have been a little bit too, too close, Right? We do, like, and if you really want to show love to somebody, you give them your time. Because this culture, we love time. We just want more of it, right? Yet, for some reason, we can binge, like, a whole season. But that's another sermon. 
Maybe the same sermon. I don't know. Seven responses towards loving others. We're going to talk about how do we do this, right? Practice getting out of your comfort zone. Right? Now, now we are a, a great family church. People say, tell me a little bit about Portfolio. I was with a, I was with a pastor uh, who was friends with Pastor Mark when they went to Bible college together down in Indiana. This last weekend, we sat at his kitchen table. He said, tell me about your church. I said, it's a family church. I, I think that's a really good description of Portview, right? So whether it's a lot of young families or a lot of older families, or it's just that you're here and you're a part of a family, we are, I, I think, descriptively a very much a family church. So it, it, it's not very hard for us to jump some of these barriers that may exist. But I'm going to challenge you today to get out of your comfort zone and cross barriers. It was a, it was a big struggle for our staff uh, at ICA when I was in Kiev. I'd sit down with them and I said, on a Sunday morning, you guys, you can't talk to the people that you like. <laughs> uh, did you get that? There's some people at church you might not like. Right? Or people in church you don't know or haven't really gotten along with or you think they will have nothing in common. I said, you have to go and cross the barrier. And I remember, like, we had a guy who speak, spoke very little English on our, on our staff. He spoke Arabic and a little bit of Ukrainian, so it was a mess, like, trying to talk to, 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 to Rafi, you know. And I said, Rafi, like, you need to go talk to these people. And Rafi's like, I can't talk to him. We don't speak the same language. And I said, that can't stop you. Like, that would seem like a really big barrier. Right? They don't speak the same language. But you've got to jump that barrier. And do you know that we have naturally built up so many affinities to people like us that we don't like jumping those barriers? Something like age. Something like gender. Something like past experience or education. Right? But I really want to challenge you. Cross the barrier. There may be people in your life that are unbelievers that you don't even want to talk to them. And I'm challenging you, cross over that barrier. Because that's what Jesus did. He crossed over the barriers. Participate in new experiences in different cultures. Try new things. Go out and do new things. Even if you haven't done them before. Why? Because you're crossing barriers. You're showing love in new places and in new ways, right? These are practical things that we can do. And you think, oh, I just don't want to do that. It's not that it's right or wrong. It's just different. We went to Kiev for the first time. The driving culture was so bad. Like, I can't say bad. It was horrible. Like, more people were driving on the sidewalk than on the road, right? And, and it was aggressive. I mean, just aggressive, aggressive driving, and by the way, of all the expats in the city of Kiev, uh, the, the locals have defined Christine as the very best driver in the city. So, Christine, yeah, really, like I've been, I was in like three really good accidents, none over here, right? Um, aggressive driver, if you can imagine, Christine, aggressive driver, she fit in, and I, and and there it is. She just, she just. And I would be nervous. Like, should I? She just goes. And, and we realize over time, like, that's bad. That, that was wrong. Like, I wish they could change the culture. But it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's just a matter of different. Do you get that? 
There's a lot of people in our lives that you may look at them and you say, that's not right. It may not be a matter of right or wrong. It just might be different. And different's okay, right? I don't like dill. And in Ukraine, they put dill on everything. <laughs> sweet things, sweet things they put dill on. Right? That's wrong. just different. Be defined by being part of the body of Christ above all other ways in which you define yourself. I'm not even giving a scripture verse because that's just all Paul right there. There's a lot of clubs to be a part of. There's lots of sporting events. There's lots of things to go to. There's lots of ways in which you can exert your passion and your energy. But I'm telling you, church, make the body of Christ the first one. Right? Now I'll move on. Live with the fruit of the Spirit. We love Galatians chapter 22, right? Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. But then it goes on. We often talk about the fruit of the Spirit, but there's this second part that we often don't go to. Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking, envying each other. Conceited means an excessively proud of oneself. I'm, when you are conceited, you are excessively proud of oneself. Right? Bible says, stop it. Stop it. Provoking. In other words, causing annoyance in other people. Some of us are good at that. Envying, desiring to have a quality, possession, or other desirable thing belonging to somebody else. That's almost like, that's like the creed of our nation. Right? Envy. It's almost like something to be aspire in all of our lives, to want what other people have. I live on a highway that goes to road America. I envy once in a while. I can sit on that highway and just watch Corvette, Jaguar, Ferrari, Denali. I'll take a Denali, right? Just one after another after another. It's like born inside of us, right? This envy of what other people have. The scripture is telling us here, not just to have the fruit of the Spirit, but don't hang on to that other stuff. It just separates us. Don't allow the fact that you disagree with someone to separate you from being a decent person. To disagree does not mean that you hate each other, and that's really an important distinction. Here, we love. Out there, we love, even if you disagree, right? Number six, learn a person's story. Galatians 5.14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love one another as yourself. Do a little bit more listening. Do a little bit more listening. And so in a few minutes, we're going to be closing the service. And uh, 
I am going to give you all just a little bit of homework, right? In Russian, my, my Russian teacher called it Demajnia Zadanya, your homework, at, your study at work at home. I talked to uh, a teacher this morning who talked about it's good to have a little bit of study time every evening, right? Your homework is this. In a few minutes, we're going to be closing service. And I would really encourage you, in a safe place like Portview Church, to find somebody you really haven't had a conversation with. Find somebody you don't really know them or their story. Maybe they're new or maybe they sit on this side of the church and you sit on this side of the church. And by the time they get the coffee, you're already out the door and so you've been going to the same church for literally 15 years. But you've never talked to each other. And I tell you, I, I've learned that, that that is the case sometimes. Right? So my challenge for you today when service is over is to find somebody you don't know very well and just ask them their story. It's going to be really weird if just people walking up to each other and saying, tell me your story. <laughs> what do you mean? I have two kids. They're 22 with red hair and all the passion that goes with it. And yeah, really, I've, I don't have any kids. What's that like? Right? Spend a little bit of time just listening to somebody. But here it is. There are some of us that that comes supernatural, right? I love the fact that the loves are in the front row every single week, right? Well, John can talk to everybody in the room at the same time. As people are coming in, he's so comfortable. He's so good at it. He'll talk to the bush outside, right? He's, he's good with people. He loves people, right? And some of us, that to do what John does in talking to people all the time is hard. How many of you, that's hard? How many of you, it's so hard you're not raising your hand, right? That's hard. So when I gave you this, when I gave you this homework today, you're like... <laughs> Absolutely not. All right? So, so here's a little trick. When you're done with service, you go over to the coffee bar. You get a, a cup of coffee. You say, I don't like coffee. Just get coffee. Or, or just a little bit of hot water in the bottom of a cup, right? And you go up and you talk to somebody, and when the awkward silence comes, you just go. It's, it's, a, it's a safety thing. Really, it is. Like... You think it's just because you guys like coffee? No, it's because it's a comfort thing for you to have something in your hands when you're talking to people, like a microphone. So I encourage you today. And so give each other grace. Listen to people's stories. Talk with them. Cross the barriers because, listen, the only way we are truly the church is if we're good at this. Because if we don't love each other, I already read the passage in John. People aren't going to know we're any different than anybody else. And, and the church often gets a bad rap. Like we're really not good at these things. It's time for us to get good at these things. Cross our, our points of being uncomfortable, right? Step into those things. And finally, lean towards mercy. there are going to be people in our lives that we really don't want to talk to because we know the choices that they've made. 
I am so glad Jesus didn't deal with me like that. He loves me regardless of the choices that I've made. Even in spite of the choices that I've made. He just loves me. There are some people among us that are making choices and you're looking at them and you're going, I just don't even know how I can even be their friend. That's what Jesus did for us. He stepped out of his comfort towards people who rejected him, had nothing to do with him. While we were yet sinners, while we were not having anything to do with him, he stepped into that moment and said, I'm just going to love you for who you are, even if I disagree with your lifestyle. If I disagree with your choices, I disagree with the way you live your life, I disagree with all these things, I want you to know that when you come into my presence, I will love you. I will love you in every way. I will listen to your story. I will pray for you. I will care for you. I will give you when you need something. I will, I will do everything I can to show love. Because if we can't do that, what good are we? We must be Jesus. So what about Leah? Leah, God blessed. He blessed her, gave her children, cared for her, even though she was in one of the hardest situations you could be in. A lifetime of being in a family unloved. God went out of his way to love her. So today my message has been pointed at all of us kind of saying, okay, we need to get really good at crossing these barriers that exist between us and really show love to each other. And that that has been my primary focus. Like, we all need to be the, the, the person that offensively does that, like, in an encouraging way, in a positive way. But there are some of us here today that just feel like Leah. We just feel like the one rejected. We feel like the one that's alone. We feel like the one that nobody's talking to, that everyone's judging, that what everyone has expectations of. I'm so thankful for a God that loves you, even when the rest of us are stupid enough not to do it. But I'm going to encourage you like I encourage the rest of the room if you're here today and you feel like Leah. I'd like you to do the homework just as well. Don't get done and sit back into the service and say, who's going to come talk to me? Because I feel like Leah. I want you to dust yourself off in your rough week that you may have had and step out, grab your cup of coffee, and find out somebody's story. Step forward in your pain and in your moment. It's the end of August, and some of us have just come back from camping out. Some of you have been floating down a river this week. Did you know that most campers get used 13 times in their entire lifetime, right? Some of you don't believe that, but it's true. Some of you are here today. You actually have marshmallow in your beard from last night. You've had a great week, right? 
And some of you are here today, and just from phone calls and messages we've had this week as a pastoral staff, and it was a horrible week. Horrible week. And there are some of us in the room today that desperately need some love from the body. You hear me? Like we all come and it's great to experience it, but some people are here today and they just need you. Just need you today, someone they don't even know, to come up to them and say, talk to me about your week. And to just love and listen. And to be Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to close just a little differently. A lot of times we have a responsive time in the room. But if you'll stand with me, they're going to just quietly pray. We're going to close the service in prayer. They're going to pray in the background. And I would like you to take the homework seriously just, just right now. If you just ask of the Lord, use me this morning. This is homework so that we can use it outside the building, right? Heavenly Father, would you bring me into a conversation in the next 30 minutes that I can just love someone, okay? And in a few moments, I'm going to take some silence. I want you to ask the Lord and believe that he's going to answer that prayer. Now listen, if we spent our whole life with this kind of a posture, wow! Man, this church would be amazing, right? That we're, I think we can be that. I think we're meant to be that. So at times we ask you to kneel, and, and that feels really good for some of us to spend some time kneeling. Sometimes we ask you to come forward or just worship at your seat. I'm going to ask you to have good conversations. Good conversations. And let God use you in just a powerful way in the next few moments. So if you take a moment of quiet and ask the Lord, even if it scares you right now, Lord, would I be a tool of encouragement today? Would I be a tool to maybe speak into a Leah's life that has just had a hard time of it? Would I take on this posture in my everyday life, Lord? Make me a person who's looking for opportunities to step over things that would divide and come into a person's life. So would you ask it today? Now maybe there's a person that the Lord would want to put on your heart to call this week, to write a letter, to write an email to stop at their house, somebody not in the room, but has been hard for you to love. Would you ask the Lord to give you somebody this week that is homework for you to go out and love? Lord, I thank you that we can be good at caring for each other. And maybe the most spiritual thing we do every week, maybe the most spiritual thing we've done this year is going to be in the next 30 minutes. 
where we stop thinking about ourselves all the time and really start caring for others. So, Lord, help our posture to be that. Help us to be good at that. Help us to be the best at that. Loving each other. Lord, I thank you for the practical part of our faith that just says, I'm going to care for people. We thank you for this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you're in the coffee bar today, if you want to slip out in a hurry because a lot of people are going for coffee in a few minutes, God bless you, Port, if you have a great week.